I'd been shown a third system of reading, through raised dots on paper or other surfaces, but the spoken words settled into my mind easier. A physician said it was because I'd depended upon hearing all of my life and that my hearing was sharper because of it. He'd also offered to replace my useless eyes with electronic ones. I declined. Somehow I knew that my sightless white eyes were a part of the gift I carried, the gift of seeing things others couldn't, and often predicting the future with great accuracy. The mental visions are somewhat delayed, like soil that has been dry too long and is now cracked with thirst, yet unable to swallow water immediately. Often, too, I wished for another job. Serving Amless had become a terrible chore, and one I disliked more every day. Few employers would consider a blind worker, no matter how good he might be, and especially since my blindness appeared to be a matter of choice. I'd already decided not to reveal to a new employer my talent for detecting the animosity or ill feelings of others toward him or her. My experience with Amless proved that to be an unworthy endeavor. I also knew that were I to tell Amless that I wanted to work elsewhere, he would offer more money to keep me where I was. I didn't want that. Truthfully, I felt as if I'd contributed to Amless's paranoia simply by answering his questions. If I left, perhaps he'd gain a healthier perspective on things. For six years after my schooling was over, I'd worked for Amless as his assistant. My father, Brandel, also works for Amless and is in charge of castle schedules and maintenance. I worry that he'll lose his work if I were to leave New Phyrus with little notice. The prince would deny any thought of pettiness in releasing my father, but he would desire revenge anyway, were I to take employment elsewhere. In other words, I'd become Amlis's crutch, and he'd treat my father differently if I were to leave voluntarily. I could see that in Amlis as easily as I could see my father's image in the mornings. It had become so familiar. Amlis wasn't a bad man, far from it. I'd merely made the mistake of expanding his insecurities with my visions. I'll have someone vid record the meeting, Roderick said as the prince left my office. Thank you, Roderick. I dipped my head. Roderick wasn't only Amlis's bodyguard, he was also his cousin and first in line for the throne, should Amlis die without an heir. And as Amlis hadn't married, there was no heir on the horizon for him. Roderick ignored his position as heir most of the time. He had no desire for the ornate chair Amlis occupied. I was grateful for it, too, as Amlis had asked me about that very thing only recently. With a sigh, I turned my thoughts to the meeting the following day. I'd never met the new Grand Master for the werewolves of Harifa Edus, therefore tomorrow would be a learning experience for me. Queen's Palace, Leath Veronis, Winkler Lucas asked me to attend conclave with him, I said. Lissa turned to look at me while putting earrings in her ears. It didn't matter how many times I'd watched her dress, it always made my blood heat. I wanted to take her straight back to bed, but she had a council meeting scheduled. I have plenty going with me already, Lissa said. You can act as an advisor for him if you want. Lucas was grandmaster for the werewolves of Harifa Edus for barely six months. He was as tough and as fair as they came. In fact, he reminded me of a young Weldon Harper, but I hadn't told Weldon that, yet. Lucas needed experienced advisors around him, and those who'd served the previous Grandmaster weren't the most reliable.
since Lucas had taken that position. The Grand Master's position now required votes instead of fights to the death. It was a requirement for admission into the Wrath Alliance. Lucas had won the loyalty of most of the werewolf population, just not those who'd served the previous administration. I heard Lucas was meeting with Amlis for the first time tomorrow, Lissa said. I heard that too. Because he asked you to come, didn't he? Are you going? Thinking about it. Good. He should have cleaned house the minute he walked into that position, but he didn't. He needs a steady hand on his shoulder and a strong arm to back him up, she said, turning back to the mirror so she could position the tiara on her head. I hid a smile. She hated that thing. Strong and steady, that's me, I said. Stop grinning and let's get to the meeting, she said. Yes, ma'am. Don't ma'am me, Furbutt. Don't call me Furbutt, Queenie Pants. She snickered as she walked toward the door. I followed, holding back a laugh.